The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon. This is Ken Smith with Empirical Investing Radio, along with my co-host Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Looking good as usual? Thanks. Ethan and I are both certified financial planners. I have a master's degree in financial analysis, and Ethan has a master's degree in financial planning. That's We're right. also uh, partners in Seattle-based wealth management firm Empirical Wealth Management. Exactly. And uh, this program is designed to share with you the best that science and research has to offer in building wealth through investment strategies and or financial planning strategies. And we have some really exciting information to share today. We were uh, had the ability to interview um, a very well-known academic and author, Kenneth French, from Dartmouth University. We're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. Before we dive into that, Ethan's going to tell us a little bit about Empirical and what we're looking for. Yeah, one of the reasons we're uh, we're doing this radio show, aside from getting the message out to to regular investors, uh, retail investors, we also want to put the message out there that we're looking for for partners. We're looking to grow our company into a, 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 a national brand, and we're looking for qualified individuals who are looking uh, to make a, a, perhaps a change in their own lives to partner with us and become part of the empirical team and bring what they have in terms of experience and expertise into helping their clients make consistently smart financial decisions. And we've mentioned this before, but I, I think I would elaborate a little more today on the types of things that we would offer a person who is uh, interested in doing that. Um, many of the, the processes in which we have in our firm uh, have been developed over the years and in working with clients and doing research on how best to, to set things up, sort of best practices. Um, we're offering sort of a um, more than simply a, a back office support, but more of an investment strategy in which those folks who are interested in working with us transcend into their clients. And what I mean by that is we have a, a very well-thought-out research investment strategy. We have a very uh, good process in which we take our clients through to help make sure that we are doing the right things on a consistent basis for them. And we're doing everything possible to remove conflicts between what we do and how we deliver the advice 
and the client's interests. That's exactly right. In fact, that's one of our, our guiding principles. We're committed to providing the, the unbiased advice our clients have come to expect from us and looking for advisors to help deliver that same type of advice to their clients in their locality. So whether you be in, in Spokane, Washington, or in someplace in Oregon, or even on the East Coast. And the types of things we're, we're offering are proprietary marketing materials and investment tools. We're also providing back office support in terms of, of um, a centralized portfolio manager. So uh, you can stay focused on working and communicating directly with the clients while the portfolios are being managed um, on your behalf or your client's behalf. Also access to our investment research team. Um, we have boy, lots of academic research over the, over the years that we've developed and discovered and are implementing our clients' portfolios. And on top of that, we're looking for or, or, or adding a, uh, an associate advisor as well uh, into the mix. So you can really focus on the things that will drive your business growth going forward. So if you're a financial advisor who's looking, maybe you're working with one of the brokerage companies or a bank or some other institution, and you're looking to get out of that model into a more fiduciary type role, uh, fee-only type of role, and you, you need and want the support of a very strong company, that's what we're looking to partner with. And you can contact us at, you can call us uh, directly here at Empirical at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or you can visit our website at EmpiricalFSForFinancialServices.com. Same thing for individual investors, wherever you are in the country. If you're looking to develop a relationship with an advisor you can trust, you can give us a call or contact us at those same uh, phone number and, and website. If you're interested in talking uh, about something on the radio program, you can shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com. That's contact at empiradio.com. So if you uh, want to get on the show with a question for our mail segment, um, email us your name and where you're from and what your question is, whether it's about investment, investment opportunities or ideas, or financial planning questions. Or you can leave us a message at 1-800-254-0398. That's the mailbox for the radio show. Thanks, Ken. Anything else to add there, Ethan? Uh, you know, we'll, maybe we'll talk on some more next time. Okay. Well, I say we, we dive into uh, our main discussion. We're going to diverge a little from our normal order and jump into this because we had the unique opportunity to interview Kenneth French uh, from uh, Dartmouth University. And Ken is a uh, an academic who's published literally reams of papers that have shown up in the Journal of Finance uh, and all the peer-reviewed um, academic journals. Um, and his credentials go on and on. He's a uh, Ph.D. Um, he has got an MBA. He's got a master's degree and um, his bachelor's in, uh, actually, I believe it was in um, mechanical engineering. His MBA was in finance and accounting and uh, a master's in finance and econometrics and a Ph.D. in finance. Wow. He's been to some of the best. Uh, he's worked at MIT and University of Chicago and is currently in, in, um, in Dart at Dartmouth. And uh, we, were, we were excited and, and I think very fortunate to be able to ask him some questions because he's an incredibly bright, 
person. He's written a lot of these articles. Professor Eugene Fama from the University of Chicago, who was the author of probably most widely known as the author of the efficient market hypothesis, which is always a very controversial uh, topic that he put that out in, in the 60s, actually. But both of them have written very uh, uh, pertinent, recent uh, articles. Um, and one of, the, one of the other most impactful pieces of work they've done are the, uh, the size and value effect, uh, the value premium, and uh, establishing the, the fact that returns, uh, primarily if you're differentiating returns in the stock market, uh, you've got three critical factors, uh, equity premium, the fact that equities have generated a higher rate of return than fixed income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but within equities, what's less known or accepted, was accepted uh, as conventional wisdom in Wall Street, was this idea that value companies generate higher returns than do growth stocks. Small cap or smaller sized companies have generated higher rates of return than larger companies. And so when constructing a portfolio, if you know those those factors, you can really target specific, and I don't mean to say specific in that you'll know exactly what return you're going to get, but you can look at ways of adjusting your expected return by how you allocate to these areas of the stock market mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and or bond market. Um, but he's just written a number of things. He's currently uh, um, also been involved in a, in a really interesting project um, where he and several other, I think there's 15 other very well-known academics, uh, put together a book um, and a report giving ideas on how to, um, how to adjust the financial system uh, to avoid another, another financial crisis like the one we just went through. Yeah, that's right. That's called the, uh, the Squam Lake Report. That's right. And I uh, just actually, I think I mentioned it last time, downloaded it on my Kindle, and I'm, I haven't finished it quite, but about a third of the way through. Yeah, there's a, a book actually now. I just saw it on Amazon uh, called The Squam Lake Report. And so we certainly worth reading if, if, uh, if that's of interest to you. So, Ethan, we, we had a... A chance to talk to him, and um, we asked several questions. We'll probably play them over the course of uh, multiple shows. But as you recall, over the last few shows, the, the primary focus of the uh, discussion we were having mm-hmm. uh, was around, uh, We I wrote down about 17 things a person could do uh, having gone through the recent financial crisis and market down, stock market downturn. Right. And... Um, the last show we talked about number eight and nine. Is nine is as far as we've gotten. Mm-hmm. And number eight was, does diversification does diversification work? Um, and so um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that right? and play that clip. Yeah, and Ken, I, I noticed uh, I was reading the, flipping through one of the magazines here in the office that we get, and it's the Seattle Met, and I noticed uh, you, were, you were quoted in this magazine. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, the October issue here. Can you tell me a little more about that? Well, it was just that that was the the article's 15 smart ways to manage your money right now. And um, normally those kinds of things are, are loaded with strategies that we wouldn't recommend. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice for uh, an, uh, an empirical point of view for us to, to, to be able to participate. And so there's several quotes in there of the steps that they list that were from 
when I talk to the reporter about you know the, what I think. Right, right. What I think people should be doing. Right. So yeah, uh, Seattle, Seattle Met there. Um, yeah. For, so hang on real quick, just okay. so uh, anybody, anybody who might be interested, it's the October 2010 edition. Uh, it's currently in the newsstands. Just came out the other day. So um, if you're interested, look it up. Yeah. If you're not in Seattle, just you can go to the website and scan for the article. Right. Um, so we talked to Ken about uh, the first question that we're going to play this clip, and it was uh, it was about diversification. Um, and you know, Ethan, we've only got about a minute in the segment. So maybe before, I don't want to start the clip and then um, play it. Maybe if you wouldn't right. mind giving out our contact information again real quick. Yeah, let's, let's do that before we go to the break. And then we get back from the break, we'll go ahead and jump in and play the clip and, and bat that around a little bit. Okay. Um, if you're interested in contacting us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at contact at empiradio.com or 800-254-0398. And again, if you're looking for, um, if you're an individual looking for some help or perhaps you're uh, an investment professional looking to partner with a firm like ours, we would love to hear from you. All right, well, uh, we'll be back. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back shortly. Sounds good. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Hi, this is Ken Smith with Empirical Investing Radio. We're back. Ethan? Hey, Ken. We, were, uh, we just introduced our guest. We're about to play a clip from our interview with Ken French from Dartmouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, again, if you want to get a hold of us um, to comment about what you're hearing on this radio program, shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com. Or if you want to just leave a voicemail... We have a voicemail box you can call, 1-800-254-0398. Great. And uh, also, if you're uh, a listener or interested in becoming a client or an advisor looking to, to be uh, to partner up with us, you can also reach us directly at 800-923-4307. Great. Well, Ethan, uh, the first segment I want to play from our interview was a uh, question we we asked Ken Ken French about um, diversification, mm-hmm. and uh, let's go ahead and play the clip. Sounds good. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was your view about diversification. What does it mean to you? I guess, and um, does it work? And what what should a person expect out of diversification? Does diversification work? I could stop right there. Okay. Diversification works. And the, and the logic of diversification is pretty darn compelling. I have, if I take all my money and put it in U.S. stocks, and you take all your money and put it in Japanese stocks, I bear a certain amount of volatility, and you have a certain amount of volatility. If we instead, I sell half my stocks to you, and you sell half your stocks to me. So now I'm 50% U.S. and 50% Japan. You're 50% U.S. and 50% Japan. Let's simplify things and assume the expected return on the U.S. and Japan are the same. Now we have the same expected return, but lower volatility. That's diversification, pure and simple. Some people argue that during the financial crisis, diversification, quote, broke down. That's absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And, and the simplicity of diversification should make it apparent that it's absolute nonsense. Let me explain why people perceive that diversification broke down. Think of it as though there's two parts to the realized return on U.S. and Japan. There's a common market, global market factor, the common global part, and then there's a a part that's specific to U.S. and a part that's specific to Japan. What diversification is about, you can't get rid of the global, the common global part by putting Japan and the U.S. together. They both are afflicted by that common global part. 
what you're trying to do with diversification is diversify away the U.S. part of the U.S. part and part of the Japanese part by putting them together. Now, what happened during the crisis? What happened during the crisis was the common part, the global factor, became really volatile. The reason we're asking this question is because the common part became really really volatile. We're focusing on it in a period when it was really big. So now what we're saying is there were days when the global part went way up a lot. And as a result, the U.S. and Japan both went way up a lot. There were days when it went down a lot. Unfortunately for all of us, it went down a lot more than it went up a lot. But there were days when it went down a lot. Japan went down. U.S. went down. Yeah, but on top of that, there's still the country-specific components. And we're still getting the diversification, eliminating the country-specific components. It just looks like they're all moving together because we've identified, we've selected a period in which the common part is really volatile. So it would be even worse if I just stuck with the U.S. and you just stuck with Japan. Not only would we have the big volatility of the common part, We'd also each have our own country-specific risk. We could at least diversify that away. That's all diversification is trying to do. It can't diversify away the common part in periods in which the common part's really important. Somebody who doesn't understand what diversification is about might say, oh, diversification broke down. It didn't break down. The country-specific parts are still being diversified, and that's the best you can ask for out of diversification. Okay, Ethan, that was, uh, we're going to stop, we're going to pause the, the clip right there. That was, uh, we want to talk about this a little bit, because in our last program we talked about diversification. Right. And the importance of it. And there were a lot of, I, I was actually kind of shocked, because most of the time these really bright academics, I don't see them use the word that is, that was people who say that that's nonsense and things like that. Yeah, they, they, um, you don't, it's pretty strong language. Yeah, I think I think he's pretty passionate about what he what he believes there, but he also has he has the empirical evidence to substantiate what he's saying. Exactly. And I, it's kind of hard to hear because he was on a home phone when we called, and so there's I want to make sure that it's clear what everyone understands exactly what he was saying, which is, in his view, diversification didn't fail at all. It did what it was supposed to do, which he used the example of. Two countries, a two-country portfolio, right? Right. Uh, and the fact that, yeah, well, you know, in this case, all the countries went down, the major indexes of countries together. So the Japan and U.S. example, you didn't you didn't eliminate the common risk, which is the risk of global stocks. Exactly. Uh, it's a very similar if we take that example into the U.S. stock market when we talk about diversification and there'll be times when you own a single stock as an example and Mm -hmm. that stock goes up the same day the stock market goes up Mm -hmm. sometimes it'll go up more than the stock market goes up and sometimes it'll go down when the stock market goes down that's very common if you own a handful of stocks yeah sure or a stock one particular stock mutual fund that invests in a specific area maybe it's large company growth stocks so 
It's a specific sec- sector of the U.S. market, and it may go down or go go up or down at the same time that the general stock market does. But why you diversify? Uh, because what you're seeing there, as he's saying, is it's the common element. That's that's what's supposed to happen. What you're doing by owning the entire stock market rather than one stock, to keep the example simple, is you're really eliminating that stock-specific risk. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, another easy example is going back in, in, in the tech boom, right? Well, you own a lot of different tech stocks, right? And they all sim- behave pretty similarly. But you, what you did do was diversify away some of the company-specific risk while you still maintain some of the the, the shared characteristics of the, that, that tech portfolio. That's right. Yeah. So I think our point, as it was in our last program before we even interviewed Ken, was don't give up on diversification. If anything, that going through the crisis should have opened your eyes that you need diversification because every time we go through crisis, inevitably certain companies cease to exist. Right that uh, you could be exposed to, or certain markets or segments of the market or areas of the world go down substantially, and it may take them decades, if ever, to recover. Right. So by having a broadly diversified portfolio, that's how you protect yourself from that type of risk, that the company or sector or country-specific risk. Yeah, it's that real that catastrophic risk, you know, the really, really the risk of going to zero. If you own one company, the, the odds are it maybe it won't go under, but certainly it is possible, way more likely than if you owned 500 stocks. So the idea that there there is always some form of common risk, and uh, Bill Sharp, uh, Nobel Prize winner Bill Sharp, identifies that as what he calls systematic or market-wide risk, mm-hmm. that all co- all stocks or companies are exposed to. Right. It's, it's uh, another way of saying that is the rewarded wi- risk versus the unrewarded risk. And the rewarded risk is the type of, of risk that you take on when you're, you are diversified. You're able to, um, again, stay, stay diversified, and, and you're, the risk you're taking just in being in stocks alone is going to result in some of the returns that you get, or the most of the returns that you get. In an undiversified portfolio, um, it's less, 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 less the case. So the, our advice here, again, is don't give up on, if you want to, in the long run, get the most out of your portfolio, you don't give up on diversification and you use it to your benefit to rebalance. <laughs> right? That's, that's good advice right there. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, on our list, you know, maybe we'd, before we play, uh, we're going to have to head into a break here shortly, but before we do, and we'll come back and play another clip from, from uh, Ken French. And uh, But I wanted to maybe take a second and jump back into our list here, if I can find it, of uh, the things that you were saying we should do, an investor should do, ways to manage your money right now. Uh, and number 10, use your fixed income correctly. Don't be confused by high yields. So when we, maybe when we come back, we'll play the, play the clip uh, from Ken, and then we'll dive back into this, this idea about high yields and what's going on in the fixed income market. Sounds good. Okay. We'll go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. (music) 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All righty then, Ethan. Here we are. Welcome back, everyone. All right. We've been talking uh, about our... Recent interview with Ken French, academic from Dartmouth. Yep. And uh, well-published author. One of the most famous um, articles we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about in a minute, but uh, we, wanted, we wanted to finish up on our discussion. We just played a clip where Ken talked about the fact that, in his view, diversification did not fail during the market crisis, but did basically what we would expect it to do. And uh, Ethan, we wanted to talk about that just a little yeah. more. Yeah, basically the, the common risk factors that existed in the marketplace during the crisis uh, meant that all equities, you know, at some level have, have similar risk characteristics. So to expect that, you know, some equities would go up a lot while others go down a lot in that particular time, you know, doesn't really make a lot of sense from one perspective. And so for clarification purposes, I thought we'd just define specifically, look up the definition of diversification and talk about that a little bit. Okay. So diversification is uh, dividing investment funds among a variety of investments with different risk return characteristics to minimize portfolio risk. Okay. Right? 
and we've talked about it a little bit already before and probably in, in other shows in the past and probably, again, in future shows, but uh, the, the different risk-return characteristics, you achieve th- those getting different return and risk characteristics by including unique things in your portfolio. So again, if you own, in my previous example was the NASDAQ, if you own a lot of tech stocks back in the late 90s, well, you didn't really have a lot of diversification because you own a lot of the same thing. Right. And those generally moved in the same direction. It, those assets didn't have different risk-return characteristics. Right. They're basically the same. Very or similar. Or if you own a lot of stocks among the S&P, mm-hmm. well, are you diversi- would you say that you're diversified? If I own you know, uh, 500 stocks in the S&P, I mean, are you diversified enough is my question. Would you, yeah. What would you say, Ken? Well, um, no. No, actually. Not, not in terms of how we're defining diversification right. being groups of assets that have different risk-return characteristics because what you're primarily getting is large U.S. companies, and depending on the time in which you're invested in it, growth more, more often than not. Right. That's one, one of many different equity asset classes that investors can get exposure to. So that in itself, while it is good, you're diversified within that one asset class, right. I would say. You're not right. diversified across asset classes. So um, I think it's important to note the difference. And that's why diversification is a good thing because, um, you know, if you own a lot of different asset classes, one, one asset class, class will, will zig while the other zags, hopefully. And over time, you have a, uh, a lower uh, risk level and get the same or better returns over time. That's sort of the idea. Well, and let's be very clear, Ethan, because... And we're trying to help people here, and we're we're trying to op- put out what uh, that, that you don't hear a lot about on CNBC or Kramer, right? Doesn't right. Talk right. about anything that really is relevant to managing money or uh, any possible strategy that's good for people or should be due for whatever reason doesn't wind up on these programs. Yeah. Um, and so we're we're trying for you know people not to get hammered, as it were. Um, <laughs> by not being properly diversified. And so w- if you're sitting there and you have less than thousands of, in, in our view, thousands of securities in your portfolio, you're not properly, you're not diversified as much as you could be, which means there's probably risk in your portfolio that you don't need to take. Yeah, or you're not aware of. Or uh, Yeah. So you need to get a hold of someone. Um, either you can continue to listen to the show and, and learn, and we're going to talk about ways to build these portfolios, or you can give us a call, and we'll be glad to help you. And there's no obligation to talk to us exactly uh, to tell you how we would in, how we invest and how we help clients invest. And again, you can call us, reach us at one eight hundred two five four zero three nine eight. Right, it's our our uh, mailbox for the show. And we'll uh, leave your name and number. We'll get back to you as soon as possible or contact at empiradio.com. Right. But uh, but you, the other thing you wanted to talk about, Ethan, was, well, thousands, if we're just talking about stocks, you should own right. several hundreds, if not thousands. Like we said, we believe thousands of stocks. And let me clarify something yeah. that may, uh, it's, well, as you're speaking, it, it's come to my mind. I'm not, we're not suggesting you go out and buy a thousand or thousands of individual stocks and keep them in your portfolio and try to keep track of all those things. What we're talking about is using, utilizing tools or investments that have lots of positions inside them, so whether they be ETFs or, or mutual funds. That's the most realistic way you're going to get exposure to that many assets, or that many stocks, I should say. Um, that's, that's, what we're tra- that's what we're advocates of, not necessarily go buying out thousands of individual stocks. That's kind of, that's a bit overkill and very hard to do, I would say. Right. And, you know, there's, there's people out there that think that 
you have to own individual stocks. You know, we talked about the program that's on earlier in the day. That this guy is saying, well, geez, you need to find 10 or 20 stocks or, I guess, find a manager like him who can pick those stocks. And, and we you know, believe that's complete nonsense. Um, these vehicles that we're, we're, that we recommend individuals use are very sophisticated, very, very cost-efficient, very diversified. The only reason that anyone would use individual stocks is the very opposite reason that they're sold for. They're not owning individuals is not a sophisticated thing to do. Um, back in the day when there wasn't a lot of managed mutual fund type products, and further, the ones that came out were primarily actively managed, which the definition of that, in our view, is you know they're they're picking stocks, handfuls of stocks, to try to beat the market, as it were. The first index fund, or what we're calling passively managed funds, didn't come out until the late seventies, right? At least on a retail level, which was a Vanguard fund that Bogle came up with. So that's what we're talking about. We love to talk talk to you more about our views on that. And I have just one last thing, sort yeah. of, to add to the definition or, or clarify, guy, <laughs> clarify, clarify exactly what diversification includes. That includes. We're talking about stocks mostly here, but we're also talking about the inclusion of of bonds in a portfolio. So you want to talk about different risk return right. characteristics? Well, bonds would do that for you as well. Right. You need, most most investors have to have some type of balanced portfolio, which include would include some type of exposure to bonds. Even very aggressive investors, you know, if they, maybe they have very little bonds, but generally they have some in there. It's because they're extremely good diversifiers. They do tend to zig when the stock zag and, and vice versa, which is exactly what you want from diversification. Well, and that, that was, I don't know if we're going to move into the, to the next segment here or get back to the, the idea of talking about bonds or on our list of things we were going to try to get a little further on, and, and we were talking about 17 ways to manage your money right now that we came up with. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that that uh, number 10 on the list was use your fixed income correctly and don't be confused by high yields. Right. Should we tackle that real quick? Yeah, I think let's, let's go into that. We'll try to get into some mail and uh, the vault segment before the show's over here. Great. So you're talking about diversifying into across these different asset classes and within those asset classes. Exactly. And uh, fixed income being one of those things. But that can go horribly wrong if you're not doing it right. And what the issue is right now is that interest rates are at extremely low levels. So it's tempting a lot of people to look for a higher yield, which can you define yield for us, Ethan? Is that anywhere in your mental glossary well or i mean i know what a yield otherwise. is let's see if it's in my my okay. book of definitions here <laughs> basically though it's a it's a stated rate of return that you can expect to get uh over a period of time so i would say give a thousand dollars to an easy example give a thousand dollars to a bank for a cd right and in return they would give me a, a yield a dividend yield on this on the cd and then at the end of the term give me my thousand dollars back so maybe it's uh, for a short-term cd maybe it's one and a half percent now something like that well, the yield is is currently a uh, is actually a stated amount of interest. It's the interest payment that you get divided by the current price of the bond, right? So, if the bond is at a thousand dollars and you get sixty dollars of interest a year, mm-hmm. right? That's how you're calculating out what your yield is, right? Um, but that pre the the actual total return of the bond is a combination of the yield and what you get at maturity. 
what you actually paid for the bond in the beginning and then what it matures at. So if you paid $1,100 for the bond and maybe you got $60, you know, uh, interest payment, but then the bond matures at less than one thousand one hundred, say it's a thousand dollars. You've mm-hmm. actually lost money on the bond, right? Right. Because you paid eleven hundred dollars for it, and you got a thousand dollars back at maturity, and you received sixty dollars worth of interest. So you lost forty dollars. Right. So yield does not define total return. That's correct on the bond. I think that's where a lot of people get confused, and so in a period like we're going through, where interest rates are very low, there's a tendency for people to not use fixed income for what some of the brighter capital market researchers suggest you should use it for, which is managing volatility in the portfolio. And certainly getting some income isn't isn't a bad uh, element of fixed income, but it primarily, primarily should be there to reduce the volatility experience in an all stock or other aggressive asset class type of portfolio. And the best way to do that is to use the highest quality, Mm -hmm. you know, treasuries, CDs, like you mentioned. Um, if you're going to have some corporate bonds, which we do have exposure to, yes. You know, first, don't make it all the exposure. And secondly, limit your exposure to the very top tier of those corporate bonds. So what they in the industry call investment-grade bonds. Don't, don't put too much into high-yield or junk bonds, commonly referred to as junk bonds, mm-hmm. because you're taking on equity or stock-type risk um, and the temptation is usually there because they're yielding. They have a higher stated yield. Exactly. Um, the problem is total return, is, as we just explained, is not just the yield. It's what you get back. So if a corporation may be yielding, the bond may have a yield on it of 8%, as an example, in a time when we have very, very low interest rates. However, if the, if the, the lender defaults, goes bankrupt, right, you may not get that back. Right. So you, you got 8%, maybe you got it for a couple of interest payments on a five-year bond, as an example, and then the bond goes defunct, <laughs> right? So you, you didn't make a whole lot of money. You actually lost a lot. Right. Okay, we've got to get to a break here, Ethan. I, I'd love to chit-chat with you all day, but uh, we can get back to just pay the bills here. All right. We'll be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on, it will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news, Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck, a no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You gotta believe. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live, and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn, founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Hahn, celebrating the creation of families. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, Ethan, welcome back. We're back. We're back. Let's do it. We were talking about fixed income, um, and I know that's not always the most exciting. Oh, come on. This is exciting. Yeah. I love fixed income. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I like it, but... Um, no, I'm kind of teasing. But it, okay. it, it is kind of, you know, fixed income has that... doesn't have a lot of cachet to it. Right. Some high flyers like stocks and equity returns. It's, it's kind of ho-hum bond stuff. Yeah. So generally but, isn't too exciting. It's one of those things where you ex- you should expect a lower rate of return. I think Treasury bills, um, and we're going to have uh, Roger Ibbotson on the show here shortly. They're gonna, we're going to interview him this week, and then we'll play it in the next week or two. And Ibbotson's pretty famous within the advisor community. But he created the stocks, bonds, and bills chart, which was one of the, I guess, first charts to kind of track what different areas of the stock and bond market did. And I'm just looking up, Simon's got one here through the end of 2009 in his wall. Right. In the studio. And uh, it looks like treasury bonds have done about 3.7% per year, or treasury bills, I'm sorry about that, where long-term government bonds, 5.4. And then you have large stocks, about 9.8% a year. So there's a significant premium on stocks over bonds, they tend to be lower uh, returning asset class. That's from 1926 to 2009. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because I think it's more important than that you don't make a mistake, right? Because if you have to have bonds in your portfolio, here's the, the zinger here, Ethan, on, you know, how to 
cash in on the advice here, but if you, <laughs> you need to have them in the portfolio, um, if you make a mistake, at least with stocks, you're getting a higher rate of return. You can recover you have to, if you have time, right? Right. But if you make a mistake when you're, you're in an asset class that traditionally uh, the conservative side of it is, is done 37 to 5.4% return, mm-hmm. and you make a big mistake and lose a substantial amount of that part of the portfolio, how do you ever gain that back? Yeah, recovery is hard. When, when inflation during this time is about 3%. Right. So it's, it's pretty tough. And that's why it's even more important that you don't make big mistakes in that area. And a lot of people take it for granted that it's just a boring vanilla kind of thing. And I've seen it time after time after time. And they wind up buying a bond that goes defunct mm-hmm. and losing a significant portion of their capital. Or an area. They might buy a junk bond fund that goes down in, in the crisis. Junk bonds went down 30%. 40%. Yeah, it's really, really important not to be fooled by the sort of phony lure of high yield in bonds. Um, it is very tempting. You know, I can get a, you know, a 10-year treasury at two, two and a half right now or something like that. Um, a CD of similar maturity for slightly more probably. But the point is you're not taking any risk there. And if you're taking risk in the portfolio, you should sort of kind of like to use the analogy of using your risk budget. Risk budget, it really should be properly allocated. Make sure that uh, the right amount of it's in stocks where you can basically have unlimited upside for the risk you're taking. Or if you're taking on tons of risk with, uh, with your fixed income, um, it's easy to get burned by that. All right. You think we, we move to a different segment now? You think we covered this fixed income and diversification and all that, that good jazz? Oh, I do have one more thing. Can I oh, just boy. jump in one more time? All right, so, go ahead. So just to recap, there's really three components of the return. Oh, sorry. What, are you playing crickets? I'm talking here. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding around. All right, Real quick, three components of the return on bonds you need to be aware of. And, and I'm going to. First one Ken was mentioned was the yield. Obviously, the stated yield, very easy to calculate. And that's kind of what people are, are uh, looking, toward, looking at when they look at yield across bonds. Hey, what's the highest yield? And I'll pick that one. You know, mm-hmm. it's one strategy. Another component is the, uh, the investment, the principal gain or loss in, in the bond. So a bond could increase in value, and over time, that could increase your return. Right, so you get your dividend yield plus the the capital appreciation potentially in a bond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the third thing, and I, I I always remind clients of this, is that what's the value of being able to sell bonds after stocks have declined to rebalance? You see, oh. them, you see what I'm getting at? Oh boy! When you when you I have a fifty something big here, a fifty fifty portfolio, and your stocks just suffered a decline of twenty percent, let's say. Yeah. And but your bonds didn't because you had high quality high quality bonds. You can sell bonds. At, at when things are lower, prices are lower on stocks, and allocate it towards stocks to rebalance. It's like you're out in the desert and you've got you ran out of water, but you've got an extra canteen. <laughs> it's it's just like that, and it gives your portfolio returns a boost at the exact right time that you need it because you had the money safely stashed away in some right. safe bonds, and then you go ahead and calculate the return on that. Well, that is a nice advantage. You know, we we've seen that so many times in in our accounts because most of our clients do have bonds in the portfolio and it is very interesting when you go through a market downturn and you actually have a place to go to rebalance where you can your stocks decline so your proportion of bonds is too high Mm -hmm. and they're the types of bonds that aren't wildly fluctuating so typically we're pulling an area that's done well or has been very stable to replenish the stock allocation and uh, then it's subsequently see the stocks rise. It's, it, is, it enhances the, the return of the portfolio. Right. And it, it's hard to, ca- you, you know, you don't know in advance what that's going to be. 
Yeah. Right. I don't know what the returns and stocks are going to be in the next 12 months. I mean, it may not, I may not even rebalance. I may not sell bonds or buy stocks in the next 12 months. But I know that when stocks do decline, and I can, I can, that's one thing I will guarantee, there will be volatility with stocks. And there will be opportunities to sell bonds when stocks are lower and rebalance. That's the way the, that the market works. And that's a, a very critical thing, but hard, hard to keep your eye on the ball, I think, with investors, with investing. And you see a lot of um, portfolios in the institutional side, they tend to gravitate towards the 60-40 mix. Yeah. And we're not recommending. We, we believe each person has their unique yes. appetite. And as our friend Larry Swedro says oftenly, this willingness, ability, and need to take risk. Yep. Um, so there's different allocations for different people, but you do see it pretty frequently in, in the institutional realm of pensions and things like that, where endowments, they, they'll have the 60-40, and it's worked out to be a pretty, uh, for amount of risk and return, it's worked out to be pretty efficient. It's it's kind of the sweet spot, yeah. as it were, for allocations. And I got to believe it, it, it has to do with this concept that you're talking about in large part is that you're getting you're getting a majority more than 50% of the portfolio being in stock. So you're participating in a substantial amount of that growth. Right. But then you've got more that you can that you've got been able to go to to rebalance because most of the studies when you look back and we run historical returns, mm-hmm. we're looking at something like a, an annual rebalance of of the portfolio. Yeah, that's right. Now in our firm we do it a little bit different. It's a little more sophisticated to try to take advantage of some tax opportunities and some other things that we do to, to rebalance. Enhance. Um, yeah, so it's not just a calendar so that we are, when markets do decline significantly, we're, we're looking at a, a look period, but we're also looking at how far did we move away from the target percentages. Yeah, the threshold rebalance. A little combo package there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anywho, that that's a very good point about the bonds. And so, uh, Simon, how much time we have here? A couple minute. minutes? Four minutes? One minute. One minute. Well, wow, where's the fancy Moses? Where does the time go? Yeah, this is so action-packed and and good that um, it seems like we just started a couple minutes ago. Um, well, maybe know. we should give out our contact information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. So you can reach us at the radio program. Contact at empiradio.com. Leave a message for us, 1-800-254-0398. If you're an investor and uh, you're listening to this and you're saying, geez, I, I'm not doing any of these things, um, and we've got plenty of evidence to back up the way we're managing our clients' money. So give us a call. We'd love to help you out. If you're an advisor out there looking for a place to connect um, where you can do the right thing for clients, that's what we're, what we're trying to do here. Give us a call. You can reach us at the firm at 1-800-923-4307. Have a great week. We'll play more of our interview with Ken uh, French, we've got Roger Ibbotson, and uh, hopefully we're going to get, I mentioned, Larry Swedro on the show soon. All right, take care. Thanks. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 